I V M. This is Storytellers and Storytellers live on tape. You're listening to Vineet Kanabar on the IVM Podcast Network. Every episode of the show, we talk to amazing people who work in the business of fun. Yeah, that's what we're calling it. We're not calling it business of content anymore. We just we'll just call it business of fun. And on today's episode, we're talking to someone who has enabled a lot of fun for brands trying to figure out creator marketing and has successfully grown his company from being one of the pioneers of creator marketing and branded content in India to what looks more and more like a creator marketing empire. Please give a warm storyteller's welcome to Pranay Swaroop, CEO and founder at Chatterbox. Cheers, man. Thank you, Vineet. Great to see you and uh, be in this room with you and chat with you. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Glad to have run into you two the other day and uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, love it. I mean, love making friends at panel discussions and <laughs> industry events and love randomly running into them at restaurants and being like, Oye! And they're like, Oye, par kahan? But I'm glad we made that connection. Pranay, lots to talk to you about. Yeah, man. After this break. Okay. Yeah, we need to make money. They need to insert ads. And that's what they'll do. Go nowhere. We're talking to Pranay Swaroop right after these messages. Pranasaru, welcome to the show once again. I remember Chatterbox being one of the most talked about influencer marketing, creator marketing companies way back when. I remember you doing some amazing work with large clients in India, PNGs and the HULs of the world. I remember you being one of the smartest people talking about this space when there wasn't so much focus on it, right? This is still like... 2016, 2017, very early days. From there to now, your I mean, I would say a serial successful entrepreneur because there are multiple companies within Chatterbox now. You have a branded content division, you have a data side of things, you're working on creator marketing, creator growth. You've been acquired by QU Media. That's part of a larger concern as well. What I want to get you started with is a quick sort of compare and contrast yeah. on, on how things have been. Yeah, okay, awesome. Lots has happened, man, in this space. And uh, I think back in 2016, I had to explain who influencers are, what influencer marketing is. And uh, I think we've reached a place where, you know, everyone is becoming an influencer. And it's it's kind of really exciting to have seen the journey. And I mean, just the space, the way it's grown in India, back from, you know, your TVF days uh, to, you know, what, what we've all done in the space has been great. And it's all, you know, credit to amazing talent that is there in this country. Absolutely. And uh, the audience that have loved them. Yeah, so I think the biggest change that happened was, one, these platforms have grown and uh, over these years, people have accepted them and, and become innate entrepreneurs on these platforms, right? And now I see influencers, not just as content creators, but entrepreneurs. And that's been the biggest change that's happened. And a lot of these new divisions that we've started are to actually cater to different requirements these new businesses have, right? So they want to create content, they want to become brands themselves. How do we grow them? Right. So a lot of that has happened. The yeah, I guess that's the biggest change that's happened. And the medium has changed. What kind of content work has changed? And that's always going to constantly change. Right. We keep saying that, you know, platforms will come and go. And we've seen that, right? I mean, from TikTok coming in, doing so much for the creator space and then getting banned. But from there to now, the talent stays, right? And if you're good, you'll find your voice somewhere. Maybe you'll find only your voice or, or your video as well. <laughs> so, yeah. That's Love it, man. Love it. That's a very quick and, and sharp analysis of what's changed. Let me ask you this, right? A lot of companies sprang up mm. back when mm. influencer marketing was growing. It wasn't really well understood. It wasn't understood 
on the supply side it wasn't understood on the demand side i don't think creators knew how to really work with these companies at that time as well very few of them actually had managers or team around them brands had no clue I know this because I was there. Brands had no clue. Still don't, but they're figuring. I think they do, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot sure. of at least the agency ecosystem has become well informed. Certain brands who started working closely with influencers become well informed, right? Sure, and that sure. percolates quickly. Yeah. But 2016, 2017 was the wild, wild west. Man, yeah. I remember stepping into PNG saying, "I'm going to sell you a music video for two crore rupees," and they're like, "Please leave." <laughs> but what has been the defining characteristics for you and sure. Chatterbox that have helped you? navigate all of this so successfully yeah so i'll talk a little bit about like how i got into it sure. and what that space looked like back then so i actually got into influencer marketing before i knew the word influencer right. we were calling this people powered marketing the whole idea was that you know we were coming from a school of sort that word of mouth drives the best communication for brands sure. and word of mouth on digital meant allowing people who are active social media users to talk about you know brands right and this is not talking about people with lots of followers or lots of influence but everyday consumers who have their friends on whatsapp on on instagram on facebook back then so how do we look at this and i my previous startup was uh, let's intern it was right. a large platform for college students to find internships and during this and you know you're always hustling as an entrepreneur uh, as a startup and one of the things that i remember back then jbl came to us with and we started doing a lot of these campus ambassador programs right we set up this community called groove babas for or basically students who are really passionate about music and built out these communities across colleges for them really fun program obviously met a lot of cool talented people but back then when we were looking at how to find these people we had cvs right like the traditional resumes and usme ek section tha one section called hobbies in which people wrote music right so that was the way we were able to look at all the data that we had at let's intern and then find students who are passionate about music are passionate about social media because these guys need to be good content creators and social media evangelists as well and then we used to look and build these communities from there we started to think about hey there is obviously social media itself where there is so much of this data available how do we build intelligence in finding the right social media evangelists from sure. there and obviously when when i dive deeper into this and rohit raj who's the co-founder of uh, chatterbox and was with me in the early stages and he runs the glitch we realized that there was just a, a lack of any science to this space which you know now the world understands as influencer marketing right so we started the approach with basically saying that okay there are lots of these influencers youtubers twitter artists all over like how do we build a marketplace how do we aggregate that space so i we took a very tech oriented approach to it initially it was in the company was called and still called chatterbox technologies private limited right. so from there we started out with just building out the databases did a lot of intelligent you know ai back then on on what this content looked like and mm-hmm. built the science around this and i think that was the biggest missing piece back then this now has got a lot more sophisticated and the obviously it's marketing so the the creativity and the art around this data is really important and that's what now we've built over the last few years right so starting with i think it was helpful that we had a core in data because that's always going to be important and from there we just had a lot of fun around this data and uh, realize what works for in the content for brands for consumers and you know essentially try to create you know the the, the right stories from there just break break that down for us yeah. right what do you mean by by data and and you can tell us sure. what it means now versus what it means uh, what it meant then i think the way i understand creator data is how many people does an average post reach mm-hmm. what kind of engagements are they getting are there comments actual comments or is it just a series of people posting hearts i mean there's so much data to to go by right so right. what kind of signals or what kind of data are you looking at and what's unique about the stuff that that you put under yeah. the hood 
Yeah. So there, are, I mean, these are like millions of data points that you're looking right. at at one point. At the end of it, and and I'm I'm just trying to break it down. So basically, creators are content creators, and they are also the media. Right. Right. So one, you're looking at people who are the best creators, who can create the best stories, and have the the brand personality and the you know the the experiences to be able to tell that story. And then, do they have the audience in that geography, in that age bracket? That's what media is always looking at, right? So that's the essence of the data points that you will look at early on, and you know how the industry and we've defined it this as has been. What's the reach, relevance, and resonance? Right. The reach is pretty straightforward. How many followers, etc. But it's it's how many active followers do you have? Sure. Relevance is relevance to the brand and to the content they're telling you, right? So if, for example, we're right now seeing so many people talk about chat GPT, right? And right. It, you have to have relevance and your audience needs to care about that. So how do you look for that? With If you're looking at a segment like beauty, there is so much going on in beauty, right? There is natural makeup. There is, I mean, I don't know. I'm not the expert at it. But, oh man, but yeah. Beauty <laughs> but, you know, is, is so you exploded, can't, right? You can't just say you're a beauty influencer anymore. Right. What within beauty are you really specializing in? So we start looking at those data points and then how does the audience respond to you, right? Do they like your content just for you or for how what you're telling them about the brand, right? Mm-hmm. And, and do they actually go and purchase products after that? That entire funnel is, uh, you know, what we keep consistently monitoring and then recognizing from existing campaigns, their past campaigns. The audience was a big one, which, you know, was the blank space that people were like, huh, this is a good celebrity. They have big, lots of followers, but, you know, and, and I remember this back in the day, you you would get like a, a female celebrity and she had 90% male, male followers, followers yeah. right? So you're essentially you know, wasting 90% of your budgets there. So how do you look at, you know, the right audience and then market basis that that was key. Then there was a big thing around and still is there were bots, right? right? How do you make sure that influencers that you are working with are high on quality, have great authentic followers. So there's a lot of like tools that are available now that mm-hmm. help brands assess that are these, it's not that, you know, these influencers are going and buying followers or anything of that sort, but a lot of fake followers do get added onto your profile when you talk about certain content. Right. So you want to make sure that, you know, these influencers have authentic followership. So yeah, lots of interesting stuff that we done through the journey to be able to assess the quality of our influencers and the content. And then after that, it's just, uh, you know, then the creativity kicks in. Like, how do you tell a good story? Man, what you <laughs> just said is such a great synopsis of the nuances that go into planning an influencer campaign. I wish someone was recording. Oh, (laughs) someone is recording. Reach, relevance, resonance. I think that's a great framework. Mm -hmm. And I think it covers all the bases that a marketer needs to keep in mind when selecting the right kind of creator partners to come on board for their campaigns, right? Interesting thought there about fake followers. I mean, I don't know if this is common knowledge. I'm sure it's not common knowledge, but Anywhere between 30 to 40% of internet traffic is bots. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast, right? You need crawlers, you have so many tracking, so much tracking mm-hmm. that's happening. So, weeding that out is also very, very important. I think more and more brands, more and more creators have started to care about this. And I think it's very important that brands keep this in mind when, when yeah. doing this, right? And the classic pitfall of getting a female actress female actress apparently. <laughs> but getting a getting an actress or a mainstream talent to, to do this and then finding out after you spent a wad of cash oh 90% fans were male that's that's a very interesting pitfall that I'm sure many of my marketer listeners have been at let me ask you this right and yeah. switching gears just a little bit from talking about Chatterbox to talking about your journey as an entrepreneur what I really like about the Chatterbox story is you had a solid sort of 
fundamental solid brand i remember hearing from my friends in the industry saying hey have you worked with chatterbox you should go go check them out even though even though we'd never worked together before from there to now the entire journey of getting an investor on board mm-hmm. then having the vision of building other bus within your company right what's the grand plan here from your point of view right and has it changed since you started have these developments come in later or was this how you intended yeah, it so to I, be there was no like you know school of entrepreneurship that any of us went through i learned a lot in my first startup while running let's intern but uh, made a lot of mistakes continue to make mistakes but i think that's that's the fun of entrepreneurship as well it's such a blank canvas that uh, you can go out there and you know figure your own path I was lucky to have some great mentors. Our first set of investors were Roshan Abbas and Gaurav Kapoor, both like veterans in the in, in the industry and just solid good people. That Absolutely. helps us uh, helped us a lot in the beginning. Rohit and Varun, founders of Glitch, they had their own experiences that they were coming with. So I think what helped us was that, and we called ourselves an A team because it helped that in this industry we were kind of like thought leaders had different skill sets and that we were able to bring to the table of course you know we pulled in a strong team and built from there it's been a great journey it became a kind of a business that was not a very vc friendly business right. and we were comfortable with that we realized that hey it was you know it was a problem even with the tech stack i mean didn't that's a longer conversation but uh, <laughs> what what we were essentially trying to build with the tech was it to be a saas product where customers are paying for the technology or the software that they use which is a very very difficult market in india right brands are so used to paying for service mm-hmm. and agencies are so not used to paying for anything right. that it's a tough market to crack within india so when we were taking our product suite which was hey how do you discover influencers how do you connect with them that entire workflow of how do you pay them that we built that entire ecosystem but we ended up using it more with along with our service so the model on it became more about not paying for software but hey we've got great technology you guys leverage that while you give us great service as well so i think at some point we made that recognition and and luckily early on and that came with you know a little bit of experience you know these guys had seen the world of marketing well right so it wasn't our plan a but plan b plus mm-hmm. <laughs> was good enough and yeah just you know we became profitable from year 1 which was helpful and knew our fundamentals and i'm a big believer on you know building a business on the backbone of the business rather than on valuations or on right. you know bubbles which you know due respect to a lot of uh other companies they cracked it we didn't but we cracked a profitable business and that's what was appealing to qu when they looked at us right our our business fundamentals were strong in the business and yeah we've been able to scale it with that i read one of the reports about the qu acquisition and in a very mysterious and very sweet way it said we just clicked <laughs> right yeah. what's the story there man how did that come yeah from? okay so i mean this was at a time when you know after 5 years of uh, having built chatterbox the brand had got built we were recognized as leaders in the influencer space and uh, we were doing interesting things so we got a couple of acquisition offers there was not a culture fit there where sure. we we felt and you know it was just wasn't the right time right place so at some point we did connect with qu with kurt marvis who is the right group ceo based in la and i had also personal aspirations of building a global company learning more on what's going on in the world as well so there was interest from my side to explore who are the leaders in influencer marketing globally and see whether we can offer them the great opportunity to grow in india right, right. and and so went after that uh, i'm a you know classic believer of those the cliche i mean i think it's a michael jordan quote which is you 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 basically you know miss the shots that you don't, don't take, take right yeah. right so i i went for it and it clicked you know it was you know you knew sometimes you just know it like there's a good person on the other side it was all virtual this was somewhere i guess 
around covid era or which was you know everything was happening virtually so we met with these guys it was i think the vision was very similar mm-hmm. uh, what we wanted to do with the company the value system was similar so i think that that was easy qu is an interesting very interesting company actually they their name qu comes from curating youtube content and that was their original vision about because you know there was such so much content coming out on youtube but you know the the discovery of that content and and serving so actually if you look at it back then because the founders are veterans and they come from the mtv era right they were trying to do with create a content what mtv did with music videos sure and that's where they have, they've had their own journey but what they're doing in india is building really cool tv channels traditional tv channels but they're putting creators on tv and obviously because we understand the creator space here in india well that was a common connect they also run a really exciting influencer marketing company in the US as well. Right. So I think it was one that was like what we wanted to do with the space was common and and the the businesses itself had a lot of synergy, right? The fact that they were so focused on India as a market helped us and and, and because we had a head start. I mean, you know, I remember Kurt saying that by acquiring Chatterbox, they're saving five years, right? And in a business right. in a, in the way, in the pace at which things move here, that that is valuable. So yeah, yeah. Love it. And and how does it work now, right? I mean, yeah. I know you've moved to the US. Yeah. You're not just CEO at Chatterbox. You're also working across multiple group companies. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I guess through COVID, I started spending a lot more time in the US. My my wife's American. Uh, right. She's also the COO of Chatterbox, uh, right. Julie. Yeah. So just I, I think we just we actually went there for uh, her sister's wedding, and uh, through COVID, it was you know just started to stay there. And in that process, realized that one we can run a remote company really well, and that was helpful. In fact, because in a fun way, what was happening, and, and you'll probably relate to this. When I was here, every client wanted to speak to me. Of course, you get sucked into a lot of things when you are not not physically present or maybe sometimes not even in a time zone you can really focus on what needs to be done right. and this way we were able to elevate and empower our teams a lot better and they they stood up and they were really excited to like kind of take charge and that's what happened with chatbox so the operations are led by Karan Firwani and Munali Dedia they're both you know Munali's been with me for 6 7 years was the first team member at chatbox Karan for 4 plus years so both solid people shout out to them and the entire team but yeah so chatbox operations have become a lot more stable sure. we in the last year we also acquired a social media focused entity and and now that's called chatter social under chatterbox itself which is led by darshil so just like we have got business leaders here who are doing really well julie's and my role then became more about hey how can we help the group company do more interesting things in india so there are some new initiatives that we are driving for them couple of them are in stealth mode so i can't talk about them here today but you'll hear about them soon so that's been exciting and yeah the us influence marketing group is doing exceptional work as well so they focus a lot more on working with like movie production companies like Warner Brothers Paramount that entire so all the biggest movies like basically i think they worked with 10 out of the 15 highest grossing movies of last year right so oh, wow. that's, so they that's they massive. they basically do 90% of their business right. with you know from like top gun maverick yeah. so from there to a lot of stuff in gaming uh, right. resident evil call of duty all of that kind of work so so basically Lovely. yeah so that's their work a lot of it on tiktok in the us so we're helping them with that and because we've got such a strong unit here now who understand influencer marketing were integrating operations and taking up a lot of global work as well so love that's it. kind of been the journey there man love it man thanks for for taking us on a tour of the stuff that you're doing i have a bunch of questions yeah. but before i ask you that we're going to go into a quick break okay. go over fascinating conversation with pranesh roop be back on storytellers and story sellers right after these messages And we're back, Pranay. Glad to see you're still here. 
let me ask you this, right? Like I said, a bunch of questions about the business, uh, but I want to ask you something that's always on my mind when I see real life couples working together. Oh, right. Yeah. Plus, yours is a slightly special case as well because you're a multicultural, real life, high power business couple, right? How, how does how do you guys make that work? So it's pretty easy, actually. I think uh, I mean, I, we we joke about the fact that I don't know what couples who are not working together talk about like after a few years, right? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's easy. She's uh, the multicultural aspect. I think she's very Indian. She's been here for ten years, so she's you know she's Mumbai. Karishna. Does she speak Hindi as well now? Some, not not sure. uh, not. She understands some. She doesn't speak it, but it's easy. Yeah, I think we are able to you know stop working when we both are. You know, so it's a rule that if one of us is saying that hey, I don't feel like working, and it could be two p.m. in the afternoon, it could be two a.m. because sometimes we are working at two a.m. Sure. But you can you know just sort of respect each other's space because otherwise it's difficult, especially when you're working from home a lot. Where work starts and stops, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think we're essentially running this stuff business together, right? And I keep getting you need to have a lot of trust with your co-founders, and obviously, since you've chosen this partner, there is high trust and respect. So yeah, and we bring different things to the table, so it's fun. I don't yeah, you make it sound so easy. I, you know, I, and that's what I'm saying. People are like, "How don't you guys have fights?" We actually, I mean, of course, every couple does, but we sure. don't fight about work. Some fun, funny, right? The you know, the fights are always about why did you hang the towel here? You know, it's one of those like random sure, things, yeah. right? I know that. <laughs> but uh, no, man, it's easy. I think you, you sometimes. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it can be really bad. And I think uh, the way we landed into it was, you know, uh, as a pilot, she was taking a sabbatical around our wedding. And at that point, I was like, hey, you are, you know, not working and you are smart and I am running a startup. I can always use help. So, you know, started poaching her brain a little bit. And then she started working with us as a consultant and it just, she, you know, liked what we were doing. It, it, there was a real you know, important space for someone like her to come in and right. lead things. So yeah, just we've enjoyed it and I can totally see ourselves continuing to work together. Love it. Shout yeah. out to Julie. Yeah, sure. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, right? Something that has been on my mind for the past few years, to be honest, right? We talked about the creator marketplace as a as a SaaS product. Mm-hmm. SaaS product. Weird thing to say, but I guess that's the parlance now. I worked on one when I was at Wavemaker. I know Group M has one called Inca. I know anybody who's worth their salt who wants to be data-driven creator marketing has a product like this, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook did one as well. There was a brand creator tool that they'd made. All of these seem to have been shelved or aborted for various reasons. Right. I'd love to get your sense on why or what have been the challenges for this thing to not work out. Yeah, good question, man. And uh, obviously, you have spent like months thinking about all of this and yeah, lots of experience here. But I think the core was that the data was not something you always had access to, right? And it's right. so dependent on how, you know, these large social media platforms open up APIs that there is always dependency on that. So to me, that was always the fundamental challenge with uh, with that. To second, uh, customers cared for data, they do. But like I was mentioning a little earlier in India, they're not used to paying for these things. So monetizing that and convincing them in, in any of these platforms require good amount of investments. You know, traditional businesses would not sort of grow. It, they could, but they, they did find it challenging. So you would have someone have to invest in it. And what happens is with these products is that if there are US-based, you know, products that have, you know, better monetization happening there, they'll be able to build better products in a faster way than you. Sure. So I think I realized at some point that that could be a journey which either could grow fast or it would fail. And I didn't want that second option. So we ended up taking the more service-oriented route. Data is still important. So we use a global product integrated with our technology and our data. We don't use only, we're not building any more tech at our end. Uh, We stopped doing that 
about a couple of years ago. So yeah, that's my Got two it. cents. I mean, but is there still hope for this to happen? The promise was the way you can buy a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad today, mm-hmm. where the data, programmatically. yeah, pr- pretty much programmatically, right? At the click of a button, you could walk in, go into maybe ads manager, pick which audiences you want, get a sense of how big that audience is, figure out what kind of creative you want to run, get a sense of how much it costs and just yeah. click an insertion order. Do you think that dream is still alive or, or it's not going to happen? My thoughts honestly are more that if it had to have worked, it would have worked by now. Right. The programmatic works for Instagram because influencer marketing, traditionally ads are served in a non-personalized way. Sure. Influencer marketing is has to be personalized for it to work the way it does. Sure. And that you cannot, I, I think it's difficult to, you can leverage technology to make it more intelligent, to make it more streamlined, but it is still going to be people dependent. So I feel like it's not going to be easy, as easy to scale that up. I wouldn't, and, I, and that's why I chose not to invest more years into building that. But hey, if no one's doing it, you know, then it's a good time to do it because everybody jumps into it. It's not uh, going to work. But yeah, if there are entrepreneurs out there who are still building products, like I'm very happy to give feedback and learnings over there, but I and keep at it. But I would look at new problems to solve in that sure, space. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it. Look at new problems to solve in that space. Yeah. One horse has died. Don't beat it. <laughs> Let me ask you this, man. And as someone who's now running companies out of multiple geographies, what's the difference between how adoption and uptake is in the US for the kind of products that, that you're doing, that you're building or kind of services you're offering versus how it is today, 2023 in India? So things are moving fast, just in terms of like software and products, like last three years have been the fastest growing for Indian SaaS companies. And, you know, a lot of people are betting on the fact that not just like SaaS is going to come out of India because there are, there are great technology companies here, but adoption is also increasing here, sure. right? Like as the level playing field becomes, you know, one, you would have to you know, every every company, every brand or every, you know, customer kind of has to level up. So we're seeing that adoption happen here as well. But obviously, US and Europe are more mature markets when it comes to what people are willing to pay for all of these things. So that there will be more exciting markets over there. But yeah, overall, the way influencer marketing actually works, I'd say over there and here is not too different. I think there is a larger, from my limited experience, there is more creativity that's allowed in the US, I feel, to to creators. Here, it's still somewhere in the, this is the hashtag, everybody needs to do the same dance step. It's not like almost every influencer content looks like the other influencer content. And I think that's what, when we are looking at and and trying to level up as a company and do global world level, world class level work, what we are wanting to do is make sure that the uniqueness of each creator comes out because that's when the best story comes out. It's a little difficult to monitor that Mm -hmm. and to make sure that it comes out right mm-hmm. but uh, I would 100% focus more on that where like every content should look different forget trying to you know put it all together because that's the entire essence of uh, influencer marketing yeah yeah makes sense man I think we're still figuring out the best application of it right and there's many many questions that float around in brand and agency circles about the measurement and ROI that comes from this right mm-hmm. and of course when it comes to measurement, everyone wants to fall back on what seems to be the safest option, which is, oh, we have one good idea and we'll make 100 versions of the same good idea instead of bringing those 100 creators on board, giving them our germ of one good idea and being like, adapt this mm. or, or make it your own or, or do it for your audience the way you do it, even if the brand wasn't present, right? So 
that I think is steep learning curve that a lot of brands and agencies are working on here. Yeah. Right? But what are your thoughts on on measurement and ROI from influencer marketing companies? If you can give us an example of something that really worked, that brought clients back, something that that you're really proud yeah, of. Yeah, something that we I mean track is basically cost per metric, right? So right. it starts from cost per reach, cost per click, cost per you know everything. Right at the end, fundamental is that there's a certain amount of money being put into influencer marketing. What impact can that drive? So ROI calculation is key across campaigns and also uh, across different influencers, right? To be able to see who is driving the better returns for you. So that's what needs to be done. It's difficult because, I mean, we were all and still are all betting on social commerce. It's not taken off the way I think we all expected in the last couple of years. You know, people are still social commerce being where Instagram or a lot of these other channels will enable purchases within the product itself. I think that becomes, when that happens and becomes starts to happen in a big ways, it's easier to calculate stuff there because at the end of it, like sales matters. But I think what all brands are seeing is when we've done research, when we've, is increase in awareness, affinity, loyalty, a lot of that is really driven strongly by influencers when it's done the right way. And that's sure. key. But yeah, I think in, I would, you know, I keep getting asked this question that, hey, how should I split my, if I'm a startup or if I'm a, you know, larger brand as well, how should we spread our budgets across, right. uh, you know, digital and influencer? And I think my two cents on that is if you are working with very small budgets, then I would not look at influencer marketing today. Right. Unless you can, hook, you know, get it through, you know, connections or, you know, your personal contacts. But otherwise, you need to do it at a certain volume for it mm-hmm. to be validated. Mm-hmm. So I'd say anything above like, you know, spending more than five to 10 lakh rupees on a particular campaign with influencers is a good starting point. And then you do pilots. Everything in marketing, you always want to do pilots, A-B test the shit out of, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> but uh, about uh, on everything. So that's what we do. We Unless there's a very, very strong objective for a brand to, you know, aggressively hit metrics for a particular campaign or a launch. The long-term suggestions are always to experiment, get your strategies right, and then build from there when you start seeing the impact on it. Love it, man. I think all very pertinent ways of approaching influence marketing, especially if your brand is new to this, right? And if you've got a budget worth crores to spend on creators, then it's a completely different story. But a lot of brands, especially startups, want to work with It's the DDC the cool brands kids. right now who yeah. have done so well with influencer marketing. So yeah. They really have. Yeah. Any examples that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, there were the there was the OGs in this, like the Bombay Shaving Company, Boat, who, you know, all of these like early on who did it. A lot of like, uh, I mean, uh, new age skincare brands who are doing really well in this space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love it, man. Let me ask you this, right? I mean, you've gone from starting this company to now scaling it. You're working with creators all the time. There's definitely a strong tech focus. What seems like you're picking up, you know, what in extreme management terms you'd call backward integration, forward integration. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see yourself or Chatterbox or any of these concerns getting into producing content? So we've spoken about it as as QU coming. It's not an expertise we're building in-house, but right. uh, we've, uh, we were, you know, I think if the market had been a little bit more interesting, we would have, we were looking at maybe acquiring companies in this space. So sure. bringing in strengths in the group, uh, within the group. So we, I mean, we have Chatterbox Studios as part of uh, one of the units where we produce not original content for like OTT or anything of that sort, but like we are producing ad films now with creators. We're taking up those mandates as well. But yeah, this, so I don't know if, you know, you or the audience is aware, but we have a business unit called Chatterbox Represent, which is where we manage creators. So for these... Exclu- exclusively manage. Exclusively manage them, sure. about 75 of them. And these are like young talent who 
join us in the journey or or we join them in the journey rather uh, when they are at about let's say 50000 followers or 100000 mm-hmm. followers and the idea mm-hmm. is to help them grow to millions that's where we are building more content ips and and you know helping these creators establish their brands merchandise that's where the the next you know like i was earlier saying that there is a business that we are building around these creators that's where there's a lot of opportunity as well love it yeah. and do you see the signs of success in that coming through very quickly or or i mean what would you recommend to creators who would like to do that like from from your learnings that you're getting so far yeah lots of i mean uh, interesting learnings so we work with team notch you know, i love team notch yeah they're amazing so nicola nicola and so i mean brilliant absolutely creators but also brilliant people what they did you know is a lot through the covid and it kind of pushed them in that direction so they used to uh, they used to do a lot of offline classes right. dance classes which right. they still do but uh, you know through covid i made those classes available online and that you know was a new business line right i mean they were youtubers creators who were monetizing largely through brand endorsements this part of the business was not something that they had invested much in mm-hmm. in terms of energy and time as well so th- those are the kind of opportunities that you can take up as well so whether it's courses we've done you know merchandising for some brands we've done collaborations with brands where there is label that is being created around the a particular you know creator as well success stories are there i think this it's still a evolving opportunity it's not like you know a lot of creators have cracked it but yeah th- there's definitely space over there to build small but uh, you know fast growing businesses there right yeah. right Love it. My last question to you before I let you go from this fantastic chat is a uh, some entertainment recommendations for my audience. What have you been enjoying watching, listening to, playing this year? Yeah, I'm I mean I love I'm consuming all the time. So, just start watching Last of Us, binge through those two episodes. Uh I have Have known... you seen the third episode? No, I haven't. It is the great single greatest episode oh, wow. probably in the history of television. I am excited and I am scared. It has a 96% rotten tomatoes. Oh wow, wow, wow. It is That's... it is mad. No, damn excited about that. So, uh, yeah, and then I guess my favorite show the year, last year was White Lotus. If anyone has not it. seen it, yeah. must. I haven't watched Pathan yet. but that's what i'm going to be doing this weekend i'm going to watch pathan for the second time today let's watch it together come i'm going to get <laughs> i'm going to get you to watch it in the full glory of bombay audiences fun, loving shahrukh khan fun, fun, it's fun. it's going to be a cultural immersion for me and that's how i'm doing yeah it. man very excited about its success and yeah it's awesome thank you so much man this is a great chat i'm so glad i ran into you the other day and we could set this up it's so good to see you again brother and uh, yeah likewise uh, man yeah that's it on this episode of storytellers and story sellers this was a masterclass in building a creator company from pranasarup and if you liked this episode you know what to do go outside and yell that i really liked this episode of storytellers and story sellers and then rate the show and send it to someone who would like to listen to this episode that's it from me vinny kanabar on this episode of storytellers and story sellers this is goodbye